Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balance, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman, and we are taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Today, I have a really special guest. His name is John Melton. We have a little bit of history. We were both in the same network marketing company in the 90s. The only difference, and probably a lot of differences in our life path, but for the purpose of this interview, is he stuck with it. He Uh stuck it out. He said, I'm not going to get distracted and go for the next shiny thing and quit. And I said, you know what? I want to be a famous Hollywood actress and I'm going to leave the profession. And now I'm back in and he is now, is it seven or eight figure money earner? Are we even allowed to say without making some kind of crazy disclaimer, John? Yeah, it's always funny, right? Because you just want to be like, I made this, and then you you get in trouble. But multiple seven figures per year. So that's been there you go. That's a that's a very (laughs) diplomatic way to say a lot. Maybe, maybe. A lot. Maybe you you, you find out days later if you don't hear anything. You're like, Am I good? Am I good? (laughs) (laughs) We won't ask for your tax return. Don't worry. Uh, We are so excited you're here. Let me tell my audience a little bit about your amazing background, and I'll let you tell your story. I'm just going to go through the statistics. Uh, John is a top 50 money earner in the entire profession of network marketing, top three in his company, a member of the Network Marketing Hall of Fame. He is one of the most renowned social media trainers in the network marketing space. Over the past five years, John and his wife, Nadia, have brought in over $200 million in sales and over 600,000 new customers. John coaches thousands of people on how to create a profitable online business. So, John, tell us your story. How did you go from, I guess you went right from high school to network marketing? How did you discover the industry? I know it's been a long road. We don't have time for the whole story, but how did you go from like 20 years old to multiple seven-figure money earner in the industry? Well, first of all, I appreciate you having me, but I will say it took me seven years to crack six figures and 16 years to crack seven. So it was definitely a slow process. Uh, I always I always love to say it's it's not get rich quick, but it is get rich eventually, which is better than... <laughs> get rich never yeah, <laughs> right? eventually uh, works yeah and, and for for me i was uh broke busted and disgusted no background in business no business being in business but i got started when i was 20 because i was in community college which is basically like 13th and 14th grade i just i wasn't i wasn't feeling it like i just didn't i never liked school anyway i liked like the social part right like the weekends my buddies the girls the sports that's what i liked 
I, I just, I didn't really see value in the whole go to school, study, get good grades, get a job. I didn't really want a job. But then I'm also like, am I a loser? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, all my friends, they, it's like they knew what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go to school, what they wanted to do when they grew up. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. I felt like there was something wrong with me. And then I saw network marketing. It was like, Hook, line, and sinker. Take my money. I was a red apple, as they call it, the apple, right? The green, rotten. You started with red. five grand? Uh, no, I didn't. I only started with the uh, $50 starter kit. I didn't okay. have any money. So they tried to help me get a loan and extend my credit limit so I could get $5,000 in product. Uh, but I had bad credit because I got my credit card. So I was 20 at the time. I got a credit card when I was 18. Lived down at the beach for two summers. Where was that? Uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Okay. And by the way, if you're listening, this is not how it's done anymore. This was in the 90s where yeah. it's a whole different industry. You do not have to start with $5,000 now to be a part of this industry. Just so you know, in case yeah. you're just jumping into this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because like I literally had bad credit because I got a credit card at 18 and I didn't, I, I lived at the beach for a whole summer. So I didn't pay my $20 minimum payment. I didn't know it was a big deal. Isn't that crazy? It's like, you know, we go to school for all these years. They never mention credit. They never mention credit cards. They never mention mortgages. I got a job as a mortgage banker when I was 23-ish, 24, 23. And uh, I told the guy in the interview, it's embarrassing, but it's true. I said, I will outwork everybody in your company. I will absolutely outwork everybody. I don't know how good I'm going to be at this. Uh, but I'm going to outwork everyone. 100%, I will make more phone calls than everyone else because I was so hungry. Uh, and that was after Trek got shut down. So I was like, you know, I kind of had like a little bit of like, uh, um, like the, I could learn about the work ethic and like, you know, the tenacity. Like I understood how to communicate yes. and talk to people. Like I, I got that part of it, but I'm like, I don't know what a mortgage is. I literally <laughs> told him, I don't know. He's like, you don't know what a mortgage is? I was like, I have no idea. Like, should I know? I mean, my parents never taught me that stuff. They don't teach that stuff in school. So don't get me started on that whole rant. But how crazy is it that like you go to school for all these years, you learn about history and all these things, but you don't learn about like basic principles to be an adult. Anywho, I, uh, I then got into mortgages after the first company got shut down, kind of had that MLM PTSD. I'm like, oh, I guess my friends were right. It was a pyramid scheme. So let me go, let me go make money in, in you know, traditional sales. And I made 600,000 in four years. I was a number one loan officer in a pretty large mortgage company in Baltimore. And they're actually still in business today. Um, but you know the deal. There's no residuals. You're right. only as good as your last month. Every month, okay. you start all over at zero. So, of course, I still had that inclination that, like, I wanted residual income. I wanted something that, like, I could build that I knew that when I stopped working, I could still get paid. And I tried real estate investing, but I bought at the peak of the market back in 2006, seven, and eight. So I bought high, I sold low, lost a million dollars in real estate and ruined my credit. So it was just like, you know, like being an entrepreneur is tough, right? Being an investor is tough. Let me go back into this network marketing thing. And we ended up with a company for about seven years. You know, we did pretty good, but our team wasn't winning. We had no duplication. Like we were the only ones on our team making over $1,000 a month. And we were making six figures, but like nobody was even making a thousand a month in our entire team after seven years, I'm like, this is broken. There's yeah. gotta be a better way. And I was doing the home meetings. So I was like, I got to figure out a way to work from home. And of course, that's how we started paying attention to social media 10 years ago. And thank God we did, because not only has it been life-changing for us, 
but I feel like we've helped pioneer not just our company, but revolutionize the industry as one of the pioneers for building an online business. You know, nowadays, check this out, Rebecca, and you'll you'll agree with this because you've been around on and off with the profession. Back 10 years ago, if someone was in an MLM, like it works, wrote in and fields, they had it plastered all over their Facebook, right? right. All over their Instagram, all over their MySpace. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, now, everybody, for the most part, knows about attraction marketing and building a brand. So now when you land on someone's profile, you're like, I think they're in a company, but I can't tell. Right. That's because of leaders like us. Because I'm telling right. you, even in social retail, we first got started. People had it plastered all over their wall, all over their page. So it's it's interesting to see now. It's like people are so much better at marketing. Still, we could get better, but it is a lot better than it used to be where people aren't treating their social media like an infomercial for their company. Right. Like a billboard. You know, I, yep. what I love about the way that you teach and how Justin Prince and Sarah and Tony Zalecki, who have all been on this show, uh, it's all about building a personal brand. Yes. And then you also do network marketing, or you also sell real estate, or you also, you know, own a car wash and people are buying you, right? Yes. They're not buying products, they're buying you. So how did you make the shift from thinking that you were selling products to, oh my God, I'm actually selling me and who yeah. I am. How did you make that internal shift? How did you figure that out? That it's a huge paradigm shift in the industry. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got, we did the old school stuff. So I'm glad I got that experience, that education on how to talk to people. And, you know, you, you do this long enough and you realize like, I'll give you an example. I have a woman right now. She was on my team seven and a half years ago. Maybe not seven and a half, but let's just say six. Okay. Let's just for round, round number purposes. Six years ago, she was on my team. She did pretty good. She quit my team, came back under someone other some other team four years four years ago, crushed it with that team because they were local and she really she was in Europe and she really so I reached out to her about three weeks ago. She had quit that team and she's coming back in on my team. And I say that to say you play the long game. You realize it's not network marketing; it's really relationship marketing. Yeah. Now there could be, you could hear all the reasons why she was on my team left and she was on another team left. But at the end of the day, she's really good. She loves the products. It's just a timing thing. It's a life thing. Kind of like you, you got out. Now you're back. Right. So you do this long enough and you realize maybe I should just be like nice to everybody. Maybe I should just be cool and just be like friendly and actually like be a human first and a marketer second. And it's amazing how that's paid dividends. And you're not, you're not treating people like a commission or, you know, you're not looking at them like they got dollar signs on their head, but you do know that like, Hey, I have a product that can help people. I have an opportunity that can help people. And it's just a matter of finding cool, open-minded, positive people. And the timing's right. And there's that alignment. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to look at you as their, their mentor. They're going to look at you as the person they want to partner with. They're going to look at you as a friend. They're going to look at you as someone that they can trust and they can confide in and they can, they're not just buying the product or buying the opportunity. They're buying the result that the opportunity or the product can give them. Mm -hmm. So I know you said you used to do uh, parties, meetings, and three-way calls. Mm -hmm. This show is about being balanced, beautiful, and abundant. 
how does this new building business online from your phone, how does this work with having a balanced life? I, I think something that all of us can relate to is the conversation of an and life. Mm. So I heard this from Ray Higgin. I'll give him the credit because it, it was such a simple way to explain what it is we do. Because the old school network marketer, PBRs every night, PBR is not a beer. A PBR is a private business reception. So I was doing home meetings Monday through Thursday, 6.30 and 8.30 p.m. And they were not in my backyard. I'm like, God must want me to drive because I'm never home. I'm always driving two hours up 83 into Pennsylvania, into you know Amish country or into Philly or I'm, I'm Western Pennsylvania, places I've never been to and I hope to never go back to. Nice people, but just a pain in the ass to have to leave your house at four o'clock, rush hour traffic to get to a meeting you know, north of, of, you know, not just north of Baltimore, but literally over the Pennsylvania line. I, at that time, was living south of Baltimore. Right. Other times, I'm going to D.C. I'm going to West Virginia, where I don't even have cell phone service. I'm going to the middle of Virginia. I'm going to Delaware, driving all over God's green earth. Pitching Four nights a week. More than that. That was Monday through Thursday. Friday night, we did leadership training, and that was never local. That was like at Frederick, Maryland, or it doesn't... People that aren't from here won't understand it, but it was never local. It was always like 45 minutes away, two hours away. Then we did a weekly Saturday meeting every single Saturday for five years straight. So we would drive to leadership training Friday night, come home after the leadership training and drive back to that same location Saturday morning. And by the way, we did meetings on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon also. So seven days a week, we were doing meetings. And I started to realize like, I feel like a bad dad. My kids were very little at the time. Mm-hmm. My son is now 18. It's his senior year. He's got a baseball game later today. And thank God, I don't miss his games. Now, once in a while, of course, it is what it is. But I'm at the majority of his games. And I've been at all his travel games because 10 years ago, we decided we wanted an and life. I want to get rich, build a multi-million dollar empire, and go on date nights with my wife and tuck my kids into bed when they're little and go to my son's baseball games and Go to my daughter who now plays lacrosse. She's got her first lacrosse game tomorrow. So to me, it's like I want an and life. I want to be healthy and I want to get rich and I want to be a good dad and I want to be an awesome husband and I want to have like, you know, family time with my brothers and their kids and my in-laws, right? Like, I think all of us want that. Yeah. And that's the power of building an online business because I take my business with me. I'm not physically in a, a, a location nine to five, or, you know, if you own your own business, you really own a business that owns you, right. Or you're in real estate and you're working on the weekends and right. I wanted to figure out a way to build a business and have lifestyle and freedom. And it wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong. This is hard, but to me, it's worth it so that I can have the balance, beautiful and abundant. Is that what it is? Yeah. The balance, beautiful and abundant life. There you go. Exactly. The balanced, beautiful, and abundant life. That's it. That's what I wanted. And I, I didn't know it would happen, of course. But looking back, thank God I made that decision a decade ago. So how do you do your time management? Because it's still, even though you have time to go to the baseball games and be there for your kids and have date night with Nadia, your beautiful wife, how do you manage your time so you do make sure you get in your DMOs, daily methods of operation? Most of the income producing activity, act, you know, those activities that I do during the day, it's during the day, right? Right now we're doing this interview. Yeah. So like this interview right now is during the day. 
I, so if someone says, Hey, can I interview you? Can you do a training for my team? Can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, 10 AM to 4 PM Eastern, maybe even 3 PM Eastern, depending on the day, uh, is when I try to do the interviews, the trainings. I do my follow-ups in the morning before 10 AM. I do a lot of the stuff. Like I'll, I, as an example, I woke up today at 7:15, whatever. And I went downstairs, you know, I was with the kids helping them get ready and they don't need a lot. They're 18 and 14, but still, you know, Dylan's running around because he's got a big presentation today. Uh, last night we were, he needed a good fit, Rebecca. He had to have a good fit. So he's in my closet, picking the tie, the shirt, the shoes, got the Louis Vuitton shoes, this custom suit, right? Because he had a presentation you love today. Your labels. I, I see yeah. your social media posts. I yeah. saw the Hermes, uh, yeah. you know. That's Nadia's fault. My addiction is because of her. I never even knew what Louis Vuitton was or Gucci or any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, like I was able to to be with my kids last night and then this morning before school. And then, you know, Dylan's got a big game today at 430. I'm going to be at his game with Nadia and my mom is coming. So it's like, you know, I try to I try to do my best job. You know, people are so weird about the word balance. They're like, oh, there's no such thing as balance. Like, Call it harmony. Call it whatever you want. Bottom line. Yeah, exactly. I want to be able to make money, support my team, work my business, all the things. But I also want to be able to to do all the things that moms and dads should do, right? So uh, we just figured that for us, what works for us is, you know, we crush during the day and then in the evening. I'm not saying that I like do nothing in the evening, but it's very little. It's easy stuff. Responding to a couple messages you know, maybe responding to some alerts, like it's easy stuff, the yeah. hard stuff. And this isn't hard doing this interview with you, but meaning if someone says, Hey, can we do an interview Sunday night, Tuesday night? Yeah. You know, can we do an interview Saturday after? No, like I'm not doing that stuff because those are the times that, you know, kids are off school and doing stuff with the family. It's just, you know, not only that, I'm just not as good at eight o'clock at night because it's been a long day. And it's like, I want to, I want to, I want to mellow out and like, you know, get ready for bed, dinner. I mean, you guys, you know, anybody watching this, we all understand what it's like to be an adult, to raise kids. I mean, we all get like life is crazy and it's even crazier when you have a big business, right? So we try to do our best job to balance all the things. And, you know, after two decades and two decades of doing it, we got it pretty dialed in at this point. Now your 18 year old son, what's his name? Dylan. Dylan, he is almost the age you were when you first started in the industry. Yeah, I started at 20. I was basically 21 because it was a few weeks, maybe a month before I turned 21. But yeah, so he's he's still a few years behind me, but we'll see. We'll see if he uh, if he gets involved at some point. He, he can technically do it now. He's 18. Well, he has had a much cushier lifestyle and upbringing than you. Yes, he has. So how do you teach him the value of work ethic and money and what money is worth and lifestyle when, when he's had it so much easier than you? How, how do you, how have you instilled that in him? I'm just going to put my charger on. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And one thing we try to do a great job of, and it's, you know, it's always a work in progress is mentoring these kids, right? Putting things in perspective, you know, Dylan listens to a lot of personal development and he has for years because Nadia has always pushed really pushed him to do that and christina can be a little more difficult but she's very good with like her bible app and like you know that stuff so you know the bottom line is you got to mentor your kids whether you're you have great upbringing or not right but i mean the one thing i'll say about my mom and dad 
is that, you know, they were always very loving. They cared. I mean, it's not like I had any abuse. Not, so we didn't grow up with money, but like at the end of the day, and they had some money, a school teacher, construction worker. I'm not going to act like we'd have any money, but we didn't have, you know, we didn't do like a lot of vacationing. There wasn't a lot of extra money. They would fight. It wasn't multiple seven figures. Let's not get it. It wasn't even, it, and it wasn't even six <laughs> Right. So it's education. You know, it's, it's what I was just talking about. It's like, you know, my parents didn't teach me about money and mortgages and credit scores and all these things because no one ever taught them. That's what's like so crazy is that like people get into business, like in network marketing, and they learn things they never learn anywhere else. You know, we teach people on our team, we teach about money and wealth building principles and mindset and being positive and, you know, books to read and, and skills to develop and not just like how to get a customer. Like we're teaching them things. That, you know, like building a personal brand, which we kind of, you know, touched on that, like that's stuff that can, that can help you literally control your financial future. Because here's the truth. The truth is there are children watching other children play video games, meaning yeah. there's, there's kids and I call them kids. Maybe some of them are actually like, you know, 20 years old, whatever, but you know, like the ninja, how many of you ever heard of the ninja, right? He's like this like video gamer that like. He will play a video game, and while he's playing, 6,000 kids are watching him online play a game. He's monetizing something that he loves to do because of the internet. Yes. And the fact is, if a child can make slime videos and is making money doing that, there's no excuse for adults. The problem yes. is, so many of us are worried about what other people think of us. We're worried about what our friends and family are going to say. We're, we, you know, There's an internet troll out there. You know, like Nadia did a reel and posted like the, the skincare products she uses. And some of them are from our company and a couple of them aren't from our company. Like who cares? And this woman commented and she's a hater. I knew exactly who it was when Nadia told me the name. I'm like, oh, that lady, she's just, she's just a hater. But she, she said, oh, you don't even use all your company's products. And it's like, so, so do you, like my company doesn't sell sparkling water. So am I not supposed to drink sparkling water? Like what a loser, like what a caring. Exactly. You know what like, and, 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 you know, the truth is there's just some people out there that are unhappy. They're miserable people. So when they see you doing something with your life, they're not going to like it. They're not going to agree with it. Who cares? They don't pay your bills. Tell them. Shush. Have you always been so strong about not caring what people think or did you have to build no. that? Muscle? Oh, yeah, I cared a lot in the early days. And I still care what people think if it's someone I care about, right? Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I have to listen to them, though. You know, like there's leaders on my team. And if there's something they're upset about, I'm going to care about that. Like, what can I do to help? Right? right. Now, it doesn't always mean that necessarily they're right. Or, you know, sometimes people are upset about things. You got to coach them through it. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, I had someone you know, uh, one of my, one of my leaders the other day hit me up and she said, Hey, you know, one of my customers that's been ordering for me for years, decided to join the business under somebody else on the team. And it's just, I find that really upsetting. And, you know, and I was like, listen, I agree with you. That is upsetting. That's BS. And the person didn't even say anything, but it's also like, you know, it sucks, but it's happened to me too. It's happened to all of us. You just move on and you just say, hey, best of luck. I hope you crush it. But in the back of your mind, you're like, man, that's, that kind of stings. It's, it's called normal, right? It's, it's a part of being in business for yourself. You're dealing with people, right? Numbers are perfect. People aren't. On paper, it's like, this is genius. You know, build up a customer base, 
teach other people how to do the same thing. And one day I could be, you know, a self-made millionaire. Like one day I could, you know, have financial freedom, but it doesn't work out that perfectly, right? It's a really tough deal and you have to work on yourself and be so strong in your faith, be so strong in your, your abundance mindset, because you're never going to run out of people. And even in a down economy with things being a little harder right now than they were maybe a year or two ago, that doesn't mean that people aren't still spending money. The money didn't leave the earth. It's still here. Right. They're just scared. You know, people are just, they have more fear because they've yeah. been told by the media, you got to yeah. be careful. It's a recession. It's a recession. But yeah. they're still going to find the time and the money to do what they want to do. That's, that's my, my best year in network marketing. The first, the first time I earned six figures was 2008. And that was the last time we had, I mean, everyone remembers that if you're over the age of like, you know, 30, I yeah. really remember when like the economy and, and not just the economy, but like all the banking and real estate companies going belly up. I mean, it was all the bailouts. Like that was a crazy deal. And that was, that was, it was bad for about two years. It wasn't yeah. until about 2010, maybe even 2011, that things started to really turn around. So, you know, there's a possibility that 2023 and 2024 are going to be rough. But who's going to really benefit in 2025 and 26 when things get back on track? It's going to be the people that are working now that are showing up and doing the do. So when things get back on track, you're so far ahead of all the people that are then jumping in. That happens in real estate. That happens with, I mean, some of the most successful people in the world, they're investing right now, right? right? Some of the most successful businesses in the world were started during a down economy. So there's always opportunity, even during the most difficult times. And you have to look at adversity as opportunity. So when things are slower, or things are harder, uh, that's just a time for you to get better. I think we get to change our relationship to adversity and to pain. I mean, people are so scared of pain, but without pain, you can't get your body in good shape. Yeah. And without emotional or spiritual pain, you can't sculpt your soul and be the person yeah. you're meant to be. And I think if people could change their relationship with pain, they could achieve so much more in life. What do you think about that? People I agree hundred percent. You should almost look to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. You should almost look to put yourself in situations where you're going to experience some pain. I mean, we all know the cliche, no pain, no gain. It's true, right? Like I was telling, you know, this is uh, probably about a week ago, talking about our video and prospect. We're doing a video and prospecting challenge with our team, a 14-day challenge. And I'm like, those of you that are the most nervous right now, you need to do it the most. Those of you that are the most like fearful and you're the most like it, the people that are like, let me out. I'm like, you know, I got this. Those people probably don't need to do the challenge as much as the ones that are like, you know, they're like sweating. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like shaking when they go live. They're like, oh my God, I'm so, because they need to get used to being uncomfortable. And it's kind of like uh, 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 flying on an airplane. Like for years, in the early years, every time I get on a plane, I couldn't even relax. I was so freaking stressed because I just have like the worst thoughts. Like every time there's turbulence. Now, listen, I still don't love turbulence. It's still ingrained in me where I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't like chill. Especially when it's real bad. You know, when they, yeah. they get on the 
they get on the uh, speaker phone or whatever. They're like, hey, we're, we're going to shut down uh, all the, the services for right now because the turbulence is so bad. And you're like, man, because, you know, like if if it's that bad that like even the, the well, I don't know what they're called anymore. I don't want to be political. Flight attendants. <laughs> flight attendants. You know what I was thinking, right? Stewardess. Yes, um, yeah. So if the flight attendants are buckled in, you know, you're like, oh, man, like they can't even get up. It's so bad. But at the same time, you do it enough and you're like, it's going to be fine. Right. Same thing with speaking. It's the same thing with prospecting. It's the same thing when when it's in a down economy. Right. So if you think about experience, you know how important it is to have experience. Experience isn't just like good experience. It's also bad experience. Experience is experience. So, you know, I'm glad I've been through the bad economies and I've had companies shut down and I got sued for two and a half million. Nadia always says wrongfully sued, baby, wrongfully <laughs> sued for $2.5 million. I'm glad that happened. I'm glad I've lost money in real estate because, you know, first of all, I didn't die. It wasn't the end of the world. But again, I learned from those mistakes and I failed my way to the top. Unfortunately, some of those bad investments and bad decisions and things that happened, that's like your stupid tax. You're like, oh, not going to do that again. Yeah. Well, you failed with passion. You and Nadia really build your business with a lot of passion. And I admire that so much. And I really believe that everything that we want is outside of our comfort zone. Yep. And if we want to fail, stay in our comfort zone. So at your level of uh, business expertise, what gets you out of your comfort zone? Are you still doing things that scare you? or yeah. you, Do you still have a chicken list of people that you're scared to invite to yeah. take what you're doing <laughs> i definitely don't have a chicken list anymore but i do think you know it, the only true failure is the quitter or the one that never tries yeah you know like we've all heard about you know the people that they have like this amazing singing voice so they have this like talent and they're just so afraid of like the stage fright and they just never in fact how many of us know the story about um the greatest show the greatest showman i think is the name of the, the movie and the one woman that has like the incredible voice, that's not really her singing that song. That's actually someone else that's singing that song. So she's lip singing. And the real singer was actually on um, one of those shows with Simon Cow. I can't remember which one. Uh, America's Got Talent or maybe it was the other one. And, and she finally sings the song on stage in front of millions and millions of people and it's the first time she'd ever done it because she was so afraid. She had such bad stage fright, right? And like, what a shame that that person almost never did it, basically, right? And I think it really is the saddest thing when someone has the potential. They could they could do amazing things with their life. And they just never, they never take the chance. They never pursue their potential. So, you know, for us, obviously, being in business, you know, obviously, it's all about sales and it's about marketing you know, money and all these things. But really what it boils down to is like you said, finding ways to stretch yourself. So yeah. as an example, we invested in a $25,000 mastermind in December for this year. You know, now that's not a big stretch for us compared to where, what that would have been seven, eight years ago, but still it was a, it's a big investment, right? Yeah, It's a big investment. So, you know, whether it's that or speaking at an event that has thousands of people and, you know, knowing that like, you could do a really great job and it would make a big impact, but also you could go up there and not have your best performance. And then you're beating yourself up. You're like, Oh my gosh, I forgot to say this, 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 and this, and I could have done better. And I didn't have the best energy on stage. 
you know, the crowd kind of affected me. So there's absolutely, even at our level, there's new levels, new devils. There's still times where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful, right? Because the truth is, is you make more money and you have more responsibility and you have a bigger team, a bigger business, and you have bigger speaking opportunities and you're connected with bigger people. I mean, it's, it's sometimes intimidating, right? It can be intimidating, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, you're growing when you're stressed or nervous, or you're putting yourself in those situations that are majorly uncomfortable. Speaking of masterminds and coaches, I know you're a coach in the network marketing space and on social media uh, training. Who's your favorite coach? Who is a mentor or coach that impacted you the most? And what was their biggest teaching that helped? Um, That's so hard. There's so many. Like, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I love Shalene Johnson. Uh, Ray Higdon is amazing. Eric Worre. That's the mastermind we joined with Eric Worre's. Um, there's, you know, but I learned a lot from my own team too. I've got leaders on my team, you know, Marina Simone, Bryn Lang. I mean, I've got leaders on my team where I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Or man, they're so powerful. And like, I'll get tidbits from them, you know, Casey and Kylie, these twin sisters on our team, you know, they're teaching strategies on what they're doing with like referral posts and giveaways. And there's little things you pick up from everyone. There's little things you pick up from people that, you know, aren't nearly at the same income bracket as you, but you learn something from them about parenting, right? So I think it's really important to identify people that are good people, right? Good character, integrity, you know, they, they, if they say they're going to do something, they do it, right? Those are the the people you want to learn from and listen to. And, you know, they have what you want. They have the results you want. Maybe they have the results you want in business. Maybe they have the results you want in their relationship or in their fitness, So I think it's important to identify what are the pain points in your life? What are the things you're struggling with? What are those things that like, you know, whatever you lack, you attack. So if you're, you're lacking clarity on your fitness and you're just like not in great shape and your, your, your lethargic energy isn't your energy's off. You're having, you know, not the best sleep or whatever it is. Like you should, you should study that, dissect that, like figure out like what's going on with me, right? If your financial situation isn't any good study people that are, you know, good in their finances. I mean, it's, it should be more, more obvious and common sense, but it's really not like they say the average American after, after, after school, college, whatever, they just stop learning. Don't be average. Don't be mediocre. You know, you learn all these things in school that don't really matter. Let's be honest. How much do you use algebra or geometry? Unless you're an algebra or geometry teacher. Right. You don't use it that much. Now, some people will argue with me, oh, you know, but it's reasoning. It's this, it's that like, okay. Potato, potato. The bottom line is, I don't use a lot of the stuff I learned in school, but I also never stopped learning after school. I learned more after school, being in business, being an entrepreneur about happiness, about positivity, about business, about social media, about money, about all these different things that I never learned in school. So, you know, be a student, you know, be curious, keep learning. And if there's things that you're struggling with, you should probably like, Read a book about it. Like you should probably invest in a course, hire a coach, invest in a mastermind. You know, it's like amazing. Like we have these amazing events, our social retail events, right? Yeah. And somebody says, oh, I want to get better at this, but I can't afford to go to that event. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. The people that can't afford to go need to go the most. Right. The person says, I can't even afford to you know, buy a book or invest in a 
course or invest in my business. It's like, then that's all the more reason to do it. You just got to figure it out. You got to find a way. Everything's figure outable and you are your own worst enemy. Like you are your, the indecision and the inconsistency and the, that's why I get, it goes back to the mindset, right? It all goes back yeah, to the foundation. Is yes. This, what you got negative going on up here. Self-talk. You yeah. still, I'm not you sure. Still have, do you still have negative self-talk? Sometimes. Absolutely. 100%. You, yes. Yeah. How do you deal with it now? Depends. It depends. Sometimes I'm just tired. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I just got to chill, watch a movie. I watch a lot of shows. I'm a showaholic. Now people will say, but you weren't supposed to watch shows. Well, when you get rich, you can watch whatever you want. I hope that the, some people might say that's arrogant. I don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. There were years and years and years. I remember when everybody was talking about Game of Thrones, GOT. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. And some people I didn't watch that one. I don't. I didn't watch Game of Thrones either. I don't believe you. You have to wait till you get rich to watch shows. I think that if you do time management well. Yes. That you, that's kind of like old school that you have like no life and you can't even enjoy like a great show. I feel like now is the golden age of shows and it really is. That's like, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. That's kind of like my cold beer in the end of the evening. There you go. Yeah. Is watching a great show. You can just chill and just be sucked into like, yeah, like Yellowstone or Billions, or I've been watching Succession. Oh, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. My favorite is Greg and Tom. My favorite's Kendall. I mean, this show, those characters characters are so good. Did you watch the last one? Uh, We're only on season three. We're really late to the party, but we're on season three. It is season three, isn't it? Or is this season four? Season four just dropped. Okay, so the, wait. Oh my gosh, wait till you see what happens. It's insane. I know. But like, the, don't the, tell us. Don't tell us. Oh no, I won't say anything. But I love the the dialogue and just their conversations and just it's it's such it's kind of like billions actually. Billions is a lot like that too. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're. I don't know if you watch that show. Do you ever watch I've that? Never seen that one. Phenomenal, 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 phenomenal. But again, they they speak a language that like I'm like wow. Like there's a whole other level of intellect that like, I will never be that person. Like just quoting from like all the, cause it's like this big time district attorney versus this like billionaire. And it's just, I mean, it's such a great show, but anyway, the point is, you know, for, for me, if I'm trying to recharge my battery, yeah. or I'm in a bad mood almost every time it's just, you're a little tired or maybe you're hangry right? There's something going on or, you know, you're, you're focused sometimes, honestly, and this happens to me, sometimes you're just, you're just talking to the wrong people and they suck the energy right out of your eyeballs, right? Yeah. You have a couple of negative conversations in a row. You got to pay attention. Like, how do you feel after you spend time with some negative people that are moaning and groaning and complaining? Like yeah. you start to realize like, damn dude, like that, that affected me. Maybe I could, should stop talking to these specific people. Like I love them. But I'm going right. to love them from a distance. So exactly. awareness is a big deal. And you got to be aware of like, what is it that gives you energy? And what is it that saps your energy? Pay attention to that. Could be people. Yeah. It could be things you do. So for me, I, yeah, I get, I get this thinking, thinking just like anybody else. I get times where I'm just like, you know, in a mood. And a lot of times when that's happening, the important thing is to figure out what you need to do to get back on track. And sometimes again, it could be a power nap. It could be, you get sucked into a good show. It could be just 
taking your mind off things because nothing is ever as bad as we make it in our own brain, right? Sometimes we make yeah. things to be be bigger than they really are. And by the way, sometimes really bad things do actually happen. And when those things happen, still, you can put things in perspective. I heard this guy say on stage and it blew me away. He said, uh, you know, he lost his grandmother and they were super close. And he said he was so depressed over it. And it just like messed up everything in his life because he just, he was so close to her. But he said, then he, he either heard something or he figured this out on his own. I can't remember the stories was years ago, but he basically said he then realized, he seemed to realize that he was so grateful that he got to know his grandmother and had that time with her because the truth is people like me, as an example, I, know, I don't have any memory of either one of my grandmothers. I didn't meet my mom's mom or my dad's mom. And if I did, it was like they were, I was a baby and they were, you know, their, their final years of life. So, you know, it's, it's a weird way to put things, but there's always a way to look at something with gratitude. And that's, that's a, that's a skill that takes time to develop. So everything bad, it's like, it's like when people say they're broke and money's an issue. And I hate using that word, B-R-O-K-E. Oh, like I just hate that word, knock on wood. Um, but people that say that and they complain about that. And it's like, well, how much do you make per year? And they're like, oh, you know, 50,000 a year, nothing compared to you. And it's like, you know, in the world, if you make more than 35,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. Now, not in America, not in America, but in the world, 99% of the humans on earth make less than 35,000 a year. Like, what are we really talking about here? What are we really complaining about? You know, and that's why when you go to a third world country, you see these people and they're, they're sitting on milk crates, but they got a big smile on their face. Yeah. They're actually happier. They're connected to their community, their family. Their faith. faith. Yeah. Faith. I mean, I really feel like there's a lot of people that are just lacking gratitude. And I feel like gratitude is the secret sauce of a happy yeah. life. And when you're happy, then you're going to attract more money. People think I'll have a lot of money and then I'll be happy, but it's actually in reverse. First you get happy and then you're going to attract people that will help you make more money. Like for example, Marina Simone, you attracted her to your team. How did you meet her? You know, it's funny. I remember her doing videos and she only had a few people on sometimes it'd be one or two. And I was one of them. And I was like, man, she's good. But I did that with lots of people. It's just, she happened to see me. I saw her, we built a relationship. Timing was right. She joined the team. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of building relationships, you know, network marketing. Yeah, that's what it's called. But really, it's relationship marketing, you know, being a good human. And your goal as a leader, your job is to identify and encourage potential. Mm, that's beautiful. That's a tweetable. Your job as a leader is to identify and encourage potential. So you met Marina Simone online. You were just social yep. media friends. Yep. And then I think I met her in person at GoPro. And she was an on your And team. that's another reason you go to events. Yeah. Because you meet people. And you might say, well, I met someone, but they're with a company. So what if they're not with that company in a year? What if they're looking for something else in five years? You play the long game, you never lose. The only failures are quitters, period. You know, and the problem too is you get a lot of these people that is MLM PTSD. So they're like burnt out on it. And I, look, I get it, but you know, it's just such a shame because they 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 go, Oh, I did that before and it didn't work. And it's like, well, the average millionaire started eleven businesses. 
I don't know where I got this statistics, so maybe it's wrong, but I, it stuck with me for 20 years. But they you say don't the have a fact checker on this yeah. show. It's okay. They, they, say the, they say the average millionaire starts 11 businesses before they become a millionaire. But the good news is you only got to do it once, maybe twice. <laughs> so, and, you know, it, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you just have to, you just keep going. Like, okay, great. Like you got sued or your company went out of business. Like my first company went out of business. My second company got shut down. I had another company that I left. You know, but I didn't give up. I kept going. And yeah, I had some PTSD, but you know what really freaked me out is going back to corporate America and just working a job and building someone else's company. So to each their own, but I'm glad I stuck with it. For sure. I mean, everything's hard, you know, construction's hard, laying bricks, digging ditches. It's like, you just get to choose your heart in life. And what I love about Network marketing is if you stick it out and you're resilient AF like you and Nadia, um, you will eventually find the people that want to build with you. So, you know, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but you just stick it out no matter what. Now, I would like you to give advice to an introvert. You know, you're an extrovert. You're great at connecting and relationship building. How does somebody build in sales or network marketing and relationship marketing if they're an introvert? Is there room? Well, for some them? of some of my biggest earners, I mean, Bryn, Bryn Lang is a is an introvert. Nadia is an introvert. So being an introvert is, it, and again, people look for excuses, right? They're like, "Well, I'm not an extrovert like you." Like, okay, great. Then find some introverts and follow them and learn from them. Because here's the thing: it's social media. That's the beauty. Is that you don't. And this is like a dream come true for an introvert. And by the way, I am an extrovert, but when I'm on an airplane, I don't want to talk to anybody. When I'm at the gym, I don't, I have a home gym now, but when I used to go to the gym years ago before COVID, um, I never wanted to talk to anybody at the gym. I'm not that friendly when I'm out and about, I'm not that friendly. Like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to the waiter. I don't want to small talk. I don't, you know, unless it's somebody that like right place, right time. It's the right topic. Sure. But like, as an example, we were flying back from Paris because we went and spoke at that event. Or no, I think it was, no, it was when we were going from Paris to Italy because we wanted, after Paris, after we spoke there, we're like, where should we go? Let's go a couple days somewhere. We went to Italy. And on that flight, Rebecca, I kid you not, there was this guy that sat next to me. And and I literally, like, and I don't even think about it anymore because to me, it's like, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. So I have my headphones on. (laughs) And then like, I literally turned to put something because the middle seat was open. I put something there. He takes his headphones off. He's like, where are you from? And I'm like, What's that? And literally I had a small talk with him for like 15 minutes and it was so hard for me. Now you might say, well, John, you're a network marketer. You should be getting his number, like seeing if he's open. I don't need to do that shit. Like I don't want to do it. I don't need to do it. I wasn't in the mood to do it. And I didn't do it. I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do at this point because I don't need to. Right. Thank God for social media. If you're an introvert, use the internet. Like you can literally get away with talking to nobody in person. Now, if you say, well, I hate people and I'm not even going to talk to them online. Well, like you got a whole other issue. But for an introvert, this is a dream come true. Amazing. I love it. So how do you and Nadia balance your romantic relationship with your business relationship? How do you keep the spark alive? Not, you know, because they say familiarity breeds contempt. And if you're with someone 24-7, it's not as... uh, sparkly so how do you well, like, i mean it does help that she's so hot and i just can't keep my hot. hands off her i can't she's keep my hands up. she's hot. yeah so I, it's hard for me to be like oh you know 
boring. No, I'm always interested. And she's always hard to get to, man. It's never, it's always got to be like, still today. Yeah. I still got to like, you know, come on, like it'll be persuasive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. A hundred percent. She's not, she's never just going to do what I want her to do. It's always got to be her on the show. I need to find out. I need to find out how she's being so hard to get after Uh how many years of marriage? 20. Oh, no, not 20. I'm sorry. I've known her for 20. 21 years because I, I met her in my first like several months in network marketing, but 18 years of marriage. So yeah. yeah. So right away when you saw her, you're like, that's my wife. Did you ask her? No, her no I never, I didn't. I'm so, I was so young at the time. I didn't think like that. I didn't think about like marriage. I was, I mean, listen, I was a little bit of a, what's the word that's like going to be okay to you player. Like I just, to me, it was, I was 20, 21, 22. I was I like all girls. I liked all women back then, but you know, eventually you know, it wasn't, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of like network marketing, right? I talk about being friends first, right? Being a friend first, marketer second. That was us. We became friends first. Like there was a couple of times we, you know, had fun, but we were friends. And then that relationship, you know, kind of grew from there. And, and she's my best friend. Like we get along so well, you know, obviously we're together a lot and we get along really well, but like, you know, she's, we still fight. And someone said to me the other day, like, you guys never fight? I'm like, are you kidding me? We're two A personalities. Of course we fight. It's brutal sometimes. But because of personal development, we get over it real quick. Like it's very, very rare that we're mad at each other for an extended period of time. But there's definitely times where like I'm in the middle of something and she needs something. She's yelling. And I'm like, chill. I'm trying to do something. Like there's definitely like, you know what I mean? Like, why didn't you do the dishes? Like I cook, you do the dishes. And I'm like, the kids got to do the dishes. I mean, it's, so it's you know, it's just like any other family, which is like any other family getting fights. And, you know, it's intense because our kids are all so strong personalities, especially my daughter. Oh, my gosh. And she's as tall as me now. She's taller than Nadia. It's the weirdest thing. She had shot up. She's 14. She's almost as tall as me. And, you know, very strong personality. So, yeah, it's it, it's uh, it, it's always interesting. You know, I say parenting is the hardest job there is. There is no harder job because you're like, hey. That's all on me, how they turn out. It's a lot of pressure that you're putting on yourself. Yeah, it's all on me. It's like at the end of the day, you know, you want, you want to, yeah, you want to take care of uh, your, your family and you want to make sure you're not spoiling them. But then you also, that's part of your motivation, right? To give them a better life. You know, my kids at this point, they're like, why do we have to go on another trip? Why do, why can't you guys go and we stay home? It's like, unbelievable they're like why do we have to go to destin again i'm like because it's our second home it's our beach house they're like and then we stay in the little house and like why can't we stay in the big house and it's like because it's rented they're like (laughs) why do they have to rent it right when we come down i mean it's hilarious like these conversations it's just it's fascinating you know well this interview has been amazing What advice would you tell the 21-year-old John Melton who was just sitting in his first network marketing and the opportunity briefing, as we used to call it back then? What advice would you give him about how to be successful, either in network marketing in life, marriage? Uh Um, You know, it's funny. I get that question often when I do these interviews. I got that question yesterday in an interview. I think the personal development conversation is just the one that that seems the most important. Like, do more of it. More get get better at the basics, and do more personal development. Really work on this because that's made all the difference over the years. And I'm glad. Also, I quit drinking 15 years ago. Maybe I could say quit drinking sooner because I was not good at it. 
I mean, I was, half the time I was a good time. It was that other half you had to worry about. Right. That's when I got in all the, I probably got in 500 fights in my life. I haven't been in a fight in a very long time since, since I quit drinking. But even like when Nadia was pregnant with Christina, she had to pick me up from jail because I was at a concert oh. and I was drinking Red Bull and vodka, slapping random people. When I say people, dudes, not women, obviously. Yeah. Right. Like I was like punching and slapping random guys, big dudes too. Like what? Completely blacked out. She had to come get me from the jail. I mean, yeah. So I was, I was really bad at drinking. Like all my friends, every one of them is like, if you were to say who is the worst drunk you knew, they'd be like, Melton, definitely Melton, 100%. Like I was just crazy. And I didn't pass out. I'd always be like the last one to go to sleep. Like just, you know. And then one of my best friends who actually got me into network marketing, he said something I'll never forget. Now it was kind of a joke, but not really. He said, you're pretty much like a drunk person when you're sober. So you don't need to drink. Because <laughs> I'm like so energetic and fiery, yeah. you know? So yeah. Quit drinking sooner would be a good, good suggestion. Just don't drink at all. But, you know, by 21, I'd already been drinking for six years. Oh, I should probably say that quietly. My son just got home. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be listening. This isn't quite their demo. They're not going to catch it on iTunes. Oh, no, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking, he just walked in the door. Like, oh, oh, he just walked in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny. I have uh, been sober for 19 years, almost 20. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And I've been to events and people will be like, oh man, you were like shit face last night. And I'm like, um, actually I wasn't, I just act that way sober, <laughs> but I'm glad you thought so. So yeah, it's great to have uh, authenticity and freedom of expression without, you know, having to rely on booze. So that's, that's, that's a gift. Well, this has just been so great getting to know you. And I really, uh, I would love to get to know you and Nadia better. And when you guys come to LA, you'll hang out with me and my husband, Ben, he's amazing. And you guys rock. So I know people who are listening to this on, by the way, how's LA these days? That's a great question. Um, it got a hard beat down during COVID. It really lost its shine and its luster and a lot of businesses closed down and it's just now coming back. So I feel like Manhattan came back a lot faster than LA did. And a lot of mm. people left have LA. you been to Man have you been to Manhattan? Yeah, it seemed like it was it was I mean, I'll say this. I like New York and LA. I actually like both a lot, but man, it's just the, the like when you walk around New York City, it's just like, why does it smell like this? Why is it there's so much homelessness and it's just sad? Right. There's a lot of crime. And in LA, of course, you know, like you said, it got beat down. But at the same time, we were just in LA two months ago. And actually, it was right before we went to um, what's sure. Bora Bora, right before we went to Bora Bora. And um, I mean, it's still like, it's just so beautiful. It's just such a cool place. But I'm always curious to people that live there if they feel like, I mean, you're still there. So obviously you must love it, but there's yeah. a lot of people that left, of course, a lot of people left. And it wasn't just because of COVID it's because taxes are outrageous and the prices of homes. And I know there's a bunch of reasons, but it's still LA. It's just so beautiful. I mean, there's no place like it in the world. It's really special. I've lived here for 22 years. A lot of people left LA and they moved to South Florida and Austin, Texas. Yep. Portland, Idaho, and Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. And they destroyed the real estate markets there. So it's like now I would never move to any of those cities because the people from LA have gotten there and, and driven up the real estate market so much. So. No, it's true. I remember we were looking at properties in Nashville. 
my dogs aren't too loud, are they? I can kind of hear them. I was like, what is that? Are they trying to call or something? No, but I remember looking at, at real estate investments in Nashville and Austin and some of these places. I'm like, it's not even cheaper. It's like just as ex- it's more expensive than Maryland for sure, but it's not. Yeah. So people are like, oh, it's so much cheaper. And it's like compared to what? Like $5 million for a four bedroom. And it wasn't even that modern. I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of crazy. And you're getting cold weather. Yeah. Now. So, uh, well, this is an amazing interview. I can tell your dogs are starting to go crazy. So I'm gonna yeah, let I, think you know. my, I think someone's at my front door. Nobody's oh. answering. So <laughs> okay. It's definitely great talking to you, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. And uh, yes. you can help me now. How can people find you online? I know people are going to want to stay in touch with you. Uh, probably just Real John Melton on Instagram or Facebook. Those are my two. I mean, we do, we do have YouTube, LinkedIn. We have a blog. We have all that. But the easiest place to find us is Insta and Facebook. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. I'll let you get your front door. Everyone, you've been watching the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman, taking you from burned out and stressed out to Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant. Until we speak again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Oh, I love that. Bye, everyone. See you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you or someone you know feels stuck and needs more abundance and balance in their life, please go to my link tree in the show notes to schedule your complimentary breakthrough call. I look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you on the next podcast episode.